0: What's up everybody? Welcome to the e-commerce unlocked podcast where we talk about all things e-commerce, where we cut the fluff and discuss actionable strategies and tactics to implement into your e-commerce business and drive real results today. Today is going to be a great one. We're talking about the five tools to reduce customer service emails brought to you by yours truly, Emerson Hammer. Not is that, is that how you say it? yours truly? Anyway, Emerson, Emerson's true. truly. I am myself truly. <laughs> It's truly me. Thank you. <laughs> Brought to you by the Emerson Hammer. How about that? Thank you. Thank you. Too kind. Thank you. Thank you. I'll bring some good <laughs> stuff. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> but yeah, no, today should be fun. I'm excited to dive into it um, a little bit. I am mean, as always, I usually take an operational approach um, to most of the topics we talk about. Um, and really, there's great opportunities to enhance the customer experience. The best way to enhance the customer experience is to not let them have problems with their orders. So um, primarily you'll see most brands between 35 to 65% of brands will have or, of emails or inquiries come in the post-purchase experience um, for a brand. So that means most of your questions are gonna happen once the customer's already placed their orders and they're gonna be reaching out to you um, regarding either the product itself, once they receive it, once it's in transit, hey, where's my order type of things. Um, so there's a lot of that stuff going on. So we're gonna go over five tools um, that can really help uh, reduce your customer service emails so you can focus on um, selling your product and not deal with the operational um, headaches that can come from it um, and we all love those operational headaches so the first thing i kind of want to go over is address validation okay have you Okay, for so us have you heard of fat fingering <laughs>
0: I mean, I can assume what it means, but no, I haven't heard of when that fingering.
1: you're your address, I guess this to say.
0: <laughs> or you just have sausages for fingers and you're just like clomping on the keyboard. That's the vision that I'm getting right now. It's
1: exactly what's happening. Okay, so whenever I pronounce I'm <laughs> pissing this this site, looking at um, some information that I kind of pre-populated. I'm, I'm sharing my screen for anyone watching on, on YouTube, check it out. Um, but I'm going to this website whenever I want to test a process, I always Google addresses based off of a McDonald's address. So, if I want to check an address, get shipping quotes for something, I say I always will just Google uh McDonald's in Russia, McDonald's in Hawaii, and usually there's a McDonald's everywhere.
0: And so, I'll McDonald's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. that's that's, Go good. that's a good little tip.
1: That's that's a tip. So, if you're trying to get like figure out rates somewhere or whatever and you don't want to look at your rate sheet, you just want to go online and and Google it or whatever off of uh, an online calculator. I always test my addresses and everything with, um, with a good old uh, McDonald's
0: address. Okay. So I uh, I'm pulling up this address. It's a, the Provo really quick. Have you ever shipped something to, to a, uh, a McDonald's what's that? Have you ever actually accidentally shipped something to McDonald's? Uh, Yeah. I have. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm
1: sure some of guys he's loving the stuff I've sent them. He's like, oh great. <laughs> fantastic. Oh yeah. Okay.
0: So be careful. Be careful yeah. not to ship stuff to the to McDonald's.
1: Yeah. I'm sure hey, they might like it. They they deserve it. You know, they're they're crashing it. So um a lot of people ask like, hey, why do I need an address validation tool? Doesn't Shopify already validate my addresses? And to a degree they do. Okay. So in this situation, I'm looking up. This is an address. Again, it's uh if you want to follow along, it's 1225 South University Ave, Provo, Utah. Again, this is what Google's pulling up. That's what they are saying. It's a legit address. I found it. We're good, okay? Now, what happens if I just change this address from 1225 to 1227, okay? And then I'm going to hit, nothing's like really popping up. Nothing's saying like, hey, don't ship there. There's no warning. There's no nothing. So that's not a valid address. But like, it's going to let me go through. And saying like, oh, yep, that's good. Let me get you shipping rates. It's gonna let me process this order. Actually, even though it's not a valid address. So a lot of people ask like, is Shopify doing it? What Shopify typically does is they do have a first line of defense natively in their software where they're saying, okay, check the zip code primarily and see if that is a probable address. It's not actually validating since so it's an actual address. So when I look it up in Google. Again, Google gives me semi-accurate. Google is actually saying this is a probable address as well. But the, like, the little point is saying, like, hey, it's probably in the middle of the street. It's not actually associated to any address. It's not actually a, a real address you can ship to. But Shopify is going to let you go through and place that order, and your customer is going to get that shipped to an, an inaccurate address, and they're not going to get it, which is going to cause a lot of friction in your supply chain. So I, the customer is going to email you back saying, hey, I never received that order. They're going to say, hey, I shipped it to the wrong address. Can you update my address? Or they're not going to know what happened. They think you're just going to be a scam, and you're going to get charged back so it's going to cause some friction in your process. There are softwares out there that are going to validate that address for you um, to make sure that doesn't happen. There's a handful of them out there that I've used um, in my my career. Um, some of the main ones you'll see on Shopify um, and out there is um, Address Validator is probably one of the, the larger address verification tools on Shopify. You have Valider, V-A-L-I-D-E-R. So it is a fun way to spell that. Um, address Guard and Locate are some of the top um, address validation tools. They all have their and perks. They all
0: locate with a Q. Just with a Q. For, for, for those people out there.
1: People trying to buy cheaper domains, they spell them funky, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so those are some good tools to get some address validation tools. Now, typically these cost anywhere for a couple of pennies between like anywhere between two to five cents an order. They'll charge on these apps to validate the address. So depending on your of your volume though, I mean, if you're shipping... What, a 1,000 shipments, that's 20 bucks that validate all those addresses, which might be the cost of just having one address be prevented from shipping out wrong, can pay for itself and then some, um, from all the product you might be losing the time, email customer service. So I think it's definitely a well worth the investment, but definitely comes into play when you're doing higher volume shipments um, that you might have this coming into play. If you're doing maybe 50 to 100 shipments a month, um, your processes might be a little bit more buttoned up than when you're getting to the masses of shipping Thousands of orders a month, a couple hundred orders a day. Um, it's easy to look over those 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 addresses and not have it correct. Same thing as if you're entering the wrong like unit number, apartment number, and things like that. So um, help prevent the Russell Steeds of the world fat fingering their addresses in there.
0: We know Russell's doing it. <laughs> so sausage fingers over here, just typing in yep. the wrong address. And for well, me, too... when... yeah, go for it. Well, I, just one thing that I've noticed is that for some reason, sometimes like my saved, I used. I use LastPass and I use Google you know, to save a bunch of my, not only passwords, but also my addresses. And sometimes it's wrong. Like sometimes it like puts in my old address and I swear I remove yep. those, but somehow they're still there. And sometimes it gets in there, which I guess wouldn't actually help with this because it's a legit address. Mm-hmm. But you know, if in the case where um, you know, on that thought, an address validator is not gonna catch it. So totally unrelated, <laughs> ignore my comment.
1: Well, good comment because if anyone's listening to this, that's an app developer in this area, I would love someone to validate a valid address to a customer name and seeing has an order shipped to that address before. I think that's a sexy app. Someone build that. That's a, oh, a, a
0: game changer. See if a name and address match to validate that. But definitely- There's to definitely... be like some sort of like privacy issue with that. I don't know. Maybe not. Probably in the UK. I feel like, yeah. <laughs> but you never. Know, European addresses are the worst anyway, so who cares? Yeah, don't even, we don't even like shipping there.
1: So it's interesting little um, tidbit on Locate. Locate has a very interesting way they validate it. They actually look at your IP address and your geolocation is a thing. And so they're looking if you're saying you're when um, your address is one two three Main Street, New York City or whatever, and Suite three hundred. Somehow I don't know all of it. They look at your IP address and your geolocation. They say, hey, from your location, you're. Five hundred feet up or whatever. I don't know. You should be on su- on suite five hundred based off of the geolocation, not suite three hundred. Or is your suite number correct? And so it actually we'll look at your IP address and give you a suggestion saying based off of your current location, do you wanna this is where you're located at, do you want to send the address there? The shipment there. Based so on of- our,
0: our uh our um satellites, it doesn't look like you're yeah. in that location. <laughs> you're actually in this location. <laughs> our our astronauts are telling us that you're wrong. <laughs> Yeah, everyone, they got spies everywhere, man. They're will find you. Spies them. <laughs> something. Just so you know, Starlink. It's all watching. They they're figuring
1: out. So there's different ways to uh, validate addresses versus USPS, UPS address change um systems and stuff like that. Um they're they're looking at. So just uh be aware there's there's things So each of those apps I mentioned mentioned locate address validator, validator and address guard validate in different ways. So see something that you feel comfortable with that, that makes sense to validate it. It's not going to catch everything 100%, I'd say. There are some of those things, Like again, like it could be a valid address it's shipping to and the person is still doing it wrong. There is that possibility for sure, but it's going to reduce a lot. Um, what about,
0: uh, I guess, at what point do you, would you recommend implementing something like this? So like I'm on a low, like my store currently has low order volume. I haven't really had any issues with somebody shipping to the wrong location. Although I did on a wholesale order that I guess is Mm -hmm. a, that is a scenario that does happen, but it ended up arriving anyway. So at what order volume do you think that somebody should implement something like this?
1: Yeah. I'll probably say once you're in the thousands, um, I'll probably say a thousand shipments a month, uh, probably is like maybe the beginning you start looking at it. Once you're getting like 5,000 plus shipments, I definitely would start looking into that You're You're probably getting into, um, a decent amount When you're doing international shipments for sure. You're going to want to look into something like this. Um, Mm -hmm. To, to does validate. it do
0: international? Like, does is it able to actually validate international addresses? Yeah,
1: most of them most of them do. Um, oh, so it's super helpful when you're setting up those criteria. Some of these as well, like address validator, I'm more familiar with. Um, if you don't want to ship to PO boxes, i will say, don't even ship to a PO box. Like, that's too difficult, APO, DPO, um, and all those. Mm-hmm. It sets up certain criteria. You can eliminate shipping to certain zip codes as well. Saying, like, we always yeah. lose packages going to the zip code. So it does a little bit more than validation. It also sets some criteria. I was saying these zip codes we don't ship to these, this format we don't ship to. So there's some really good, um, ways to do that. Cause when you're validating an address, if you guys ship with multiple carriers, they also have different character limits. Some will say like, Hey, in the first line address, you can have the 20, I believe I can't remember which carrier one is like 25 and one is 35 character limits. And so you want to make sure like, Hey, if I only ship in this amount of character limits should be in the address for this, um, this carrier. Shopify will send it. If you print it in Shopify, they might cut off that address length in it because it doesn't meet the the carrier formats. Because some people might say like on the line one, they might say, Hey, I'm on 123 South Main Street suite 500 and put that all on line one of it. Instead of saying, that's my apartment number. And then it gets cut off. So then they don't have a a apartment number. You want to be able to uh, um, address that and formulate that. And mostly these address verification tools will help with that um, as well. So it just, it keeps your, your data clean so you can just Instead of having to edit your orders, if you guys are manually getting flags to your ShipStation account or your WMS or your Shopify or OMS, whatever you're using, um, to edit manually these addresses, these address tools should help um, reduce that manual entry as well to speed your pick and pack um, processing time. Um, So that'd be one of my my main uh, tools. I think that a lot of people overlook or don't understand the full complexity um, or utility of of those apps. the second thing that I would recommend, depending on your OMS and either ERP that you're using is a post-purchase editing tool. There's quite a few that are out there and I would say five years ago, I wouldn't have recommended any of these apps, but just how the dynamic in tech has evolved. Um, basically it, what it does is if someone places an order and they realize after they've ordered, they entered their wrong address or maybe they didn't apply a promo code right after checkout, or maybe they um, added the wrong item and they want to switch it out. They bought a, a medium when they wanted to get a large or something like that. In the size, there's a couple of tools um, that I recommend using Orderify, Order Editor, and Editify are some pretty solid options for post-purchase order editing. Um, so basically what that lets them do is like before the order gets marked as shipped or whatever criteria you set up, they'll let you edit that that item. Um, so it makes it super, super simple. Um, I'm sure, Russ, I mean, you're in the apparel industry and stuff. How often does that happen quite a bit where someone's like, hey, I want to change my address or anything like that or want to edit their order post-purchase or you run into
0: that much? yes sometimes it's not like super common um but i will get people that are like oh crap you know i i I wanted to add this item or something like that so it does happen and luckily i'm small enough i'm doing i'm doing self-fulfillment at the moment so i'm able to just like quickly jump in and like oh yeah you know make the change and it's not a big deal once you're working with a warehouse you have drop times and you got all this more complexity that it's Mm -hmm. like hey once it's once it's in shopify like nothing's changing like it's an iron box and nothing's nothing's going to be changing so um which is my experience in the past but so can you kind of handle that with these uh with these type of apps can you like say hey don't drop or put it on hold shopify's got this new thing where you can put it on hold for a little bit like is that how they handle that
1: um what they do actually it depends on how you integrate with your your wms erp or whatever it is um some of these actually integrate into your erp or ship station and stuff like that so if you edit it in shopify it'll actually update it in they're in the ship station or your ERP system and stuff like that. So they—that's why I'm saying, like five years ago, I wouldn't have recommended these apps due to them not integrating mm-hmm. with down the pipeline and stuff. Now with Shopify, I think they've made it easier with Shopify API. Will work with some of these other um, um, tech solutions that can make edits. So it could be dropped into WMS and even can set up a certain criteria. Once it hits that status, once the label is generated, don't do anything. Once it's in a pick line, don't do anything or a time set off uh, countdown. Um, you can set it off so they can't edit it for a certain um, period in time. So there's some ways to to do that. Because that's the worst thing ever is when someone's getting an order, it's already placed, you say, hey, we can't cancel it because our warehouse already has it. Then you know that you're going to ship it and then it's going to get canceled and returned back to you. Now you're paying the return shipping on that. Um, These tools uh, eliminate that. Um, So I definitely would say looking into those to see if it works with your tech stack. Again, make sure it works with your tech stack. But even if you're getting like one of those, two of those a month, Again, most of these are going to be on a higher volume. I would say, again, once you're probably in the 1,000 to 5,000 shipments plus a month is when these start making sense. You'll run into that a little bit more. And they're pretty cheap and cost-effective solutions. These apps run between $5 to $10 a month. So if you can stop one order a month from going through incorrectly, again, that's going to pay for itself with just like one order. Um, that that it makes sense. And again, it's quite an awesome customer service experience. Did
0: you did you say that you can actually like retroactively apply a coupon code? Um, some allow you to exactly. do that. Yeah, some of them will. Um, so basically, say, hey, I checked
1: out, but I forgot to enter my promo code. This one, can I still apply it? Um, what it does in that situation is it will cancel the original order and then just repopulate the new order with that discount code on it. So it'll refund the first order, usually, is how they work. And then they send out the, the basically cancel order one, here's order number two, and cancel it through your system. But it reduces the customer service team having to do that. Again, you can enable these features or not depending on what you want. If you're saying, hey, sales are final, you don't want to implement that, don't enable that feature on it. Um, But I think, again, it's reducing those customer service emails. Like These are processes that hopefully you don't need to add a human touch to to provide a quick solution to the customer. Um, And your customer service team can be focused on other things um, and stuff like this. Um, The next thing that I think you can add on to it is having a solid FAQ um there's quite a few different knowledge bases and faqs out there um most of your help desks are gonna have something built into it there's quite a few just in shopify that you can look into just for adding a knowledge base or, or um, faq page to your your uh your site i love the gorgeous knowledge base it's pretty interactive and it connects really well with their help desk so if your help desk offers that gorgeous has a stellar one um i know help scout has a pretty solid one as well uh zendesk offers some features as well that are pretty solid i mean customer i know have um, some pretty good good features into there Um, so if your help desk um, has a feature i'll say utilize that and make sure it's up to date especially as you're going into holiday season make sure those are updated properly with whatever your criteria is so if you're having an extended return window for the holidays make sure your faq is up to date and your knowledge base is up to date to to address that if your shipping times are going to be fluctuating at all make sure that's updated. So when people are looking back for these answers, the answers are accurate in there. Um, So Russ, on your side of marketing, how often would you say um, maybe FAQs or knowledge bases actually comes up in your guys' discussions, would you say typically, or how often should a a brand revise those, would you think?
0: Oh, it comes up probably 0% of the time. Uh, Wow. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) It it really kind of depends. Like I've seen a few different structures um, when it comes to different brands. So some brands put customer service under operations and some brands put it under marketing. So it really can be on either side. Um, I, I think it makes most sense under marketing when you're looking at it. It's kind of the mindset shift from customer service to customer experience. Mm-hmm. And I know the people that work in customer experience are very passionate about the difference of those two things. <laughs> um, but uh, when you're talking to the customer service team, the uh sorry the customer experience team I didn't mean to offend. Um when you're talking to them, like yeah, the FAQs are definitely going to come up because they're the ones dealing with it. When you're talking about like marketing or e-comm manager, um I I wouldn't say it's like the most common thing, although I did, I mean we did talk about it. Like, oh yeah, we got to get that updated. And usually around the holidays, you're like, oh we gotta update those FAQs, make sure that that's like everything's buttoned up there. Um and then I I've also noticed when looking at like my analytics pages that we've got um, a good amount of people actually go in and look at the FAQs. And mm. so maybe not just FAQs, but like policy pages, return policy, shipping policy, and then your frequently asked questions are definitely things that people will look at. If it's a higher ticket price, um, it, it's for sure people are gonna be looking at that. If it's just like more of like a an impulse purchase, maybe not, but uh, it just really depends on kind of where you're at from my perspective. Yeah,
1: and I'll say on that, like. I definitely think it's a hand-to-hand, it's a middle ground of operations and marketing, um, working together through customer service for sure. And like you said, checking those pages to see which views, um, most of the uh, services that have knowledge bases are going to track page visits um, and seeing how many people are looking at that page. So utilize that. You're seeing, hey, a lot of people are asking about my return policy. Maybe maybe you should make that a bit more prevalent um, during, during the checkout. We're asking about delivery days. Make that more... Um, uh, visible to your merchants are so not going to an FAQ page. If that's gonna ball make your checkout experience, um, see who's looking at what pages the most and see how you can display that more um to your customers before um before checkout. Um, hopefully increases some conversion on that. Um, some of the other tools I'd say is automating your returns and exchange process. Um, customers want to have a seamless uh, post-purchase experience. If they did order the wrong item um it's not the right fit, it's not the right product they expected. Um, make sure you have a process to make it streamlined. There's a, once you get to a certain size, it makes sense to look into a a service provider. I usually say once you're doing probably 25, at least probably 50 returns a month that you're managing, it makes sense to have a solid solution in place. I would say, um, if you're below that, there's some decent softwares, um, that are pretty cheap, possibly free. I mean, Shopify has a returns platform. That's not my favorite, but if you're doing 10, 20. Returns, you might be okay doing something like that the Shopify native. Honestly,
0: one. I would <laughs> almost say it's easier for email. Like, That's just do email. The Shopify <laughs> one, you have to, like, the customer has to log in, they have to have a user That's account, true. and then they got to do this. It's kind of a pain. And so it's like, you're probably going to be getting emails about it anyway. So, in that scenario, just process it through email. One thing <laughs> that uh, before I took over uh, the brand that I currently run, they would just, they had a PDF that like, whenever somebody said, Hey, I want to return this or I want to exchange it, they'd send a PDF. And it was like janky, but it worked. Um, and it was totally possible to do for, you know, the five or 10 returns they did a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then, so I came in and I actually revamped that. I installed, um, crew by Corso and we're using that as our returns. I still don't do a ton of returns, but it's just, it's so much easier. Um, so mm-hmm. I recommend like, I think that threshold that you threw out there is pretty good, like 25, maybe 50, like you can handle under that really easily through email, but then it just becomes a lot more of a pain, like creating the shipping label and this and that. And so I'd recommend actually, you know, getting another platform in place before you actually need it. Cause a lot of times, like once you get to a point where you need it, it's like too late. And then it's just, it's just a mess, right? Um, ERPs, returns platforms, um, just all of it, right? And so I would recommend, you know, twenty five, fifty. That, that seems like a good threshold.
1: Yeah, um, definitely going to save you some time at that at that phase of business. You probably have a small team, and so relieving some of that stress uh, dealing with those concerns can can help out a lot for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing I'd say, is and million- a quick
0: side note: I've talked, <laughs> I've talked to quite a few brands who do like ten returns a month, and they're paying seven hundred dollars for their platform. So like, beware that. <laughs> there are platforms that will rip you off. So don't pay too much because that's a ridiculous amount. Actually, no, sorry. They were doing 10 and it was $560. So maybe not that bad, but not as bad as 700, but it's still really bad. So like you shouldn't be paying through the nose like that.
1: Yeah, that's disgusting. Um Yeah, good good point on that. Um The last tip I'd say is um having a shipping protection program in, in place. Shipments go wrong. Um Shipments get lost, damaged, stolen in transit. Make sure you have a policy in place um to help with that. Either if you're managing that yourself or using a provider, again, a solid app. Again, we recommend Core Shipping Protection on that. It's such a solid, simple program. If something goes wrong in shipment, let your customer service team deal on things that only your customer service team knows about, which is like product-related, um, company-related. It's great to have your customer focused on that. Um, the Corso team is their experts in the shipping world. Let them handle um, those lost, damaged, stolen shipments um, and make it super easy and convenient for your customers. So I'd say... Those tools are really going to help reduce your customer service um, inquiries coming in. Let your customer service team or customer experience team um, manage uh, awesome. questions that they can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let them manage the the concerns that they they have um, regarding your product or company. Um, and that'll, that'll go a long way. And then side note, I also have... A secret sixth tool that I will share.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I, sneaky!
1: Yeah, I snag it in. And our so favorite one is Wizmo. Where's my order? Um, Shopify has an awesome order confirmation page. Um, that's pretty much all it is: an order confirmation with a tracking number on it. Um, those pages are viewed quite a bit. It's somewhere between like twenty to thirty five percent of your email traffic it has an open rate on those order tracking pages. Make those branded. Make those add some more flair, make some more information on your product and make it easier for customers to track their order with status updates throughout the whole shipment. I'm kind of surprised, honestly, through Shopify. I just bought a new Shopify POS system and um, ordered off a Shopify site and they use their order confirmation on any tracking app on it. And it's pretty janky, honestly, just using the order confirmation page. Um, it doesn't really give much insight, doesn't really give me updates unless I manually go check it. I don't get like daily updates of where my shipments at and stuff like that. But using a service like Malomo or Wondermint um, are great apps that are gonna give awesome branded tracking experiences to your customers. Um, that's gonna reduce the amount of customer service inquiries you're getting um, about where their shipment is, where it's at, and then just kind of plugging these all together. Um, if they do have a where's my order question and they're integrated with Malomo or Wonderment, there's a course of integration with those platforms. So if there is a shipment that goes wrong, um, they can easily file a, a claim for a loss or damage shipment and the course team can take care of it. So. All those Wizmo questions can pretty much be taken care of um, by having awesome tech stack partner integrations. And again, on those solutions, I'll probably say the same thing. When you're about a thousand orders plus a month, you're going to want to look into solutions like that. Is kind of where you hit that threshold, and you'll definitely start seeing some ROI on on that um, with these these apps that you're you're adding to your your book. Um, Is kind of where you start seeing. So hopefully, those uh, one of those tools helps you guys. Uh, Emerson, out. I'm
0: going to put you on the spot here. Nice. I'm going to put you on the spot. What um do you have any stats behind like out of all the customer service emails that come in, how many of those have to do with like Wizmo or shipping issues or something like that? Do you off the top of your head do you know kind of what that number is?
1: Yeah, it would depend on brand and, and vary a little bit. They say it would be like 35 to 65% depending on the brand industry is going to be like a post purchase related question. Um, I know on like the Malomo side, I believe they advertise somewhere around like 19 to 22% are Wismo questions. Where's my order? Um, In general, sort of tracking related um situation oh. on that during that process as well. I mean, that's the whole thing is like, Hey, where's my order? Then once it actually does happen. And then when you're looking at our returns or exchange, um, typically on a returns exchange, a brand will see anywhere on a return exchange, depending on the industry between 10 to 40% of return ratio. If you're in the apparel shoe industry, stuff like that, you have a higher return rate. So you're going to have all those inquiries going on. So if you can automate that, that's going to be added on top of that. So if you're having an average of 20% of, of post-purchase emails are about WISMO questions, and you have a 20, 30% return ratio, that's going to be a decent amount of your concerns are going to be about that with those two questions alone. Um, mm-hmm. And then on top of that, any address validation So question. with the
0: tools that you, you called out, yeah, with the, the with all of these tools, potentially you could cut your amount of tickets by like, like half, maybe like maybe that's a little optimistic, but but like you, I, I mean, I think you're that's probably not too journey. far out of the yeah. ball game.
1: Yeah, no, I think you definitely could. That's pretty uh, awesome. Kind of reduce it, um, and that's the thing: is customer service, customer experience is about to provide that experience, and part of that. Um, we wait. I was working with a brand a while ago, and he didn't want to have an automated returns process at first. He says, "I want to give my customers awesome experience, and I want to give them a touch point with a human." To do their returns, so he wanted to email it, and then he realized they didn't want that. They just wanted a quick resolution. They didn't care as a person. They was like, "Dude, this takes too long. I don't care. I just want to be instant, and I don't want to talk to someone." They wanted self-help tools, so it's kind of interesting. I mean, we want to provide an awesome customer experience, and sometimes we think that that is through human interaction. When most of the time it's about speed of resolution, and a human can't touch the speed of a, a software that's open twenty-four um, seven, and so that's something definitely to look into. Is obviously. Great hand, t- like human interaction, um, where it makes sense, but also pr- give don't jump your customers out on an awesome experience um, by leveraging this, these awesome tech resources.
0: Here's a statistic for you: ninety-two percent of consumers will buy something again if returns are easy. So. I mean, it kind of, you know, a returns tool can very much help your conversion rate for those repurchases. Right. Sorry. I just, I had a statistic that I knew. And so I just had to throw it in there. I'm sorry.
1: Wow. You're so smart, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
0: I looked it up. I didn't memorize it. So right, so right, right. Smart. He, he read a book a week ago. He's like, I can't wait to tell someone this. <laughs> Found the opportunity. I'm so excited. Well, let's start a book club. Yeah. Let's All do right, a podcast book club. Why not?
1: Oh. just just reading uh usps papers fedex papers return stuff from the nrf this is great
0: (laughs) no fun fun book club not boring operations book club well anyone anyway we're just gonna wrap it up there we're gonna call the pod we're getting into some weird territory so thank you everybody for joining us this week and we'll see you on the next one